Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we study the words of the Buddha on Sundays going through this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. This is volume one and we go chapter by chapter each week on Sunday preparing to explore the teachings through a discourse where I will share the teachings on Sunday. And then on Wednesdays, we come together and learn meditation and actually do meditation together. And we've just restarted our group learning program a few weeks ago, and we're kind of helping to build practitioners up from the very beginning. Today, we're in our third class of a four-part series where I'm teaching breathing mindfulness meditation. On the first class, I went through and taught breathing mindfulness meditation and helped explain how to do breathing mindfulness meditation and all kinds of details about it. You'll find those teachings in chapter 11 of this book. You can also go back and see the recorded versions of that. Last Wednesday, we actually did a breathing mindfulness meditation session together and opened up to any questions that you guys might have related to breathing mindfulness meditation or this path to enlightenment. So today we're going to do a similar class to what we did last week, where we'll just start out guiding you in meditation, helping all of us come together as encouraging, supporting, motivating each other each Wednesday. But then, of course, it's up to you to have a breathing mindfulness meditation practice on your own where two to three times a day you're building up your practice to about 30 minutes or more per session. And of course, everybody starts at a different place. Some people start with just one session for five or 10 minutes a day, but then you would like to gradually build up over time where you're doing two to three meditation sessions for 30 minutes or more per session. So I'd like to welcome all of you to our third class here. We're going to do meditation together as a group, and then we'll open up to any questions that you might have at the end of class related to meditation or any other aspect of this path. The way that I start off meditation is just giving you guys some guidance to ease you into meditation, and I also start with chanting. I start and end meditation with chanting. There's nothing mystical or magical here. This isn't a prayer or anything like that. It's just to help ease the mind into meditation and start building awareness of mind and awareness of breath as we ease into meditation. As we get going in our program here, just like I'm doing a four-part series on breathing mindfulness meditation, a four-part series on loving kindness meditation, which will start about two weeks from now, I'm also going to be doing a four-part series on Buddhist chanting and helping you to learn how to do the chanting. 
But for now, if you've studied with me before and you know these chants, you're welcome to chant along. And then if you haven't studied with me, you'll be learning these about a month and a half from now. I'll be sharing with you how to actually do these chants so that you can then chant along as we do chanting before and after each meditation. So let's go ahead and get into our meditation position. I'll guide you guys in meditation. And then, like I mentioned afterwards, we'll open up to any questions that you guys might have. So go ahead and make the lower body comfortable. If you're sitting in a chair, that means your feet are probably on the floor or maybe crossed at the ankles. If you're on the floor, you might put a cushion under your rear, get your rear up in the air, lessening the angle at the hips, knees, and ankles. The hands and arms should be comfortable in the lap. The Buddha put his right hand on top of his left and the thumbs together, and then he put that into his lap. But this practice isn't about everyone doing it exactly the same. So if you find that comfortable, you can use it. But if not, there's other options as well. You might put your palms on your thighs, your knees. You might put your arms on the armrest of a chair. Totally up to you. But when you get into meditation position, in the seated position, whether you're on the floor or in a chair, the lower body and the hands and arms should just be completely relaxed without any muscles engaged whatsoever. The upper body is a little bit different. Here you would like to have some erectness and have the body up straight. This is important because it keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. Whereas if you were really slouched, the mind would have a tendency to be complacent and not really be active during the meditation. But also if you were up real tight and real rigid, the mind would be kind of uptight. So you'd like to find that middle where you've got some erectness to the spine where the body is erect, but that will help then keep the mind attentive and alert during the meditation because this is a dedicated, active, purposeful training session where we're training the mind to eliminate craving, desire, attachment, where the mind is longing for something with a strong eagerness. And we're training the mind to have mindfulness or awareness of mind, as well as concentration by focusing on just the breath we're allowing the mind to then come into this concentration, getting more and more trained each session to just focus on the breath. And this will help you in daily life when you have more mindfulness or awareness of mind. You'll have more concentration, being able to practice singleness of mind. And you'll have less and less craving, desire, attachment, which is the cause of discontent feelings. So now in daily life, you'll see your discontentedness gradually diminish. With the lower body, hands and arms completely relaxed, the upper body erect, next just close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose, just establishing a nice, steady, gradual breath. I'm going to do some chanting, and if you know these chants, you're welcome to join along, and then I'll come back with some more guidance. But just focus on breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Arahang Samma Sammoto Mahakawa Potang Mahakawanang Apiwate Elmi Sawakato Mahakawata Damang Namasami
Supatipano Mahakavato Savaka Sankho Sankang Namami Napmoer Sabhakavato Arato Samasaputasa Napmoer Sabhakavato Arato Samasaputasa Napmoerasabhakavato Arato Samasaputasa Iti Piso Mahakava Arahang Samasamoto we chacharanang samhono sakato roka vito anu tero purisa damasati satatawa manusanang Oto Pakavati Okay, you should be breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. I'm going to provide you some guidance, but the guidance that I'm sharing may not match up to your breath. Remember, this is your practice. It's an independent journey. I'm just here to provide guidance. So wherever you get to the next inhale, breathe in gradually through the nose, experiencing the full breath, establishing a natural breath, not forced, but just a natural inhale. And then where you get to the exhale, do the same thing. Not forced or controlled, just a nice natural exhale through the nose, experiencing the full breath. Here you're just establishing the breath. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in and out. With the breath established, start fixating the mind on the breath, the sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving into the nose. Fixate the mind 
on the breath. This is the present moment. Breathing in. And out. Breathing in. And out. With the mind fixated on the breath, the present moment, whenever you observe that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath. No need to observe the thought. No need to figure it out or analyze it. No need to label it or anything like that. Just wherever you see that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in and out. The goal in this meditation is not to eliminate thoughts. That's not possible. Instead, it's to fixate the mind on the breath, developing awareness of mind or mindfulness in concentration, singleness of mind, focusing on the breath. As the mind moves off the breath, you're training the mind to more easily let that go and come back to the breath, to the present moment. Breathing in, In, out. Breathing in. In, out. When a thought arises, you haven't done anything wrong. You're not bad at meditation. This is just what the mind does. So wherever you notice that the mind is off the breath, you cut it off and let go, coming back to the breath. The mind is an expert of holding on. So I'm gonna be quiet so that the mind doesn't even hold on to the sound of this voice. I'm gonna let you do this work of focusing on the breath. And wherever you notice that the mind is off the breath, cut it off, let go, and come back to the breath, the present moment. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. 
No one needs you right now. This is your time to focus on the breath. Breathing in. In, out. Breathing in. In, out.
So each Wednesday we come together like this in order to support, encourage, and motivate each other in our meditation practice. And then on Sundays we come together and share the teachings of the Buddha in terms of going through this book chapter by chapter. The Wednesdays are designed to build up your meditation practice and your practice of chanting, where the Sundays are really designed to help you understand the teachings so that you can learn, you can reflect on those, independently verifying them, and then moving them into practice so that you can see the truth for yourself that the condition of the mind is gradually improving and discontentedness is diminishing more and more as you progress forward. And a big part of that is your meditation practice and seeking guidance when you need guidance about certain aspects of the teachings. So on Wednesdays, in addition to doing a guided meditation together, I will open up to any questions that you guys have related to any aspect of this path, whether it's meditation, like what we're teaching today, or any other aspect of the path, because we open up the questions on Sundays as well. But 
between Sunday and today, you might have had some things that popped up in the mind in terms of what you heard on Sunday in our class. Maybe you've been thinking about that, and maybe there's some things that you have questions about. Or maybe you've been reading this book, Volume 1, and through reading that, there are certain questions that you might have. So I would like to just open up to any questions that you guys might have, and you can put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom in the comment section. Our moderator, Miranda, will see that. And then if you're in Zoom, you can electronically raise your hand and ask any question or follow-up questions directly. So I'll just turn things over to all of you guys for any questions that you might have. Yes, thank you, sir. Um, Rick Milman asked, in order to breathe slowly, I breathe deeply. Is it okay to do that throughout the meditation period? Yes, that's exactly what you should do is bring the breath so it's nice and gradual. It's not forced. It's not hurried. It's not rushed. But by slowing down the breath and just gradually breathing in with a natural breath, by having the breath a nice gradual pace and the mind fixated to the breath, it'll actually slow the mind down. Because oftentimes when we are meditating, the mind can be bombarded with a lot of thoughts and lots of different things that are happening in the mind. So if the breath is slow and gradual and the mind is fixated to the breath, then it'll actually slow the mind down and kind of gradually ease into meditation. You didn't mention this, Rick, but if anybody's having an overactive mind, not only can you slow the mind down in the way that I just described, but walking meditation is really good for that as well. And I have a video on our YouTube channel that explains how to do walking meditation. So if you're noticing that you have an overactive mind and the last thing you're thinking about is sitting down to meditate and the mind doesn't want to do that, it's just disinterested in doing that, walking meditation is perfect for that. As well as if you're finding that you're getting sleepy in meditation, walking meditation is good for that. But yes, Rick, it sounds like what you're doing is absolutely perfect right on. Thank you, sir. Regarding walking meditation, if someone has a park near their house that has a walking trail that's maybe half a mile around, would that be an appropriate place to do walking meditation? Sure, you can do walking meditation just about anywhere, you know, hiking trails or you know, some kind of track or some kind of walk around a lake. Those are all excellent places. I don't suggest you do this at the beginning, but one of the things I used to do is I used to walk around the city here in Chiang Mai, you know, right along the street. There's no sidewalk, no nothing. The motorbikes were whizzing back and forth. The tourists were walking, chit-chatting, talking. As I was doing walking meditation, there would be certain businesses that I'd pass where music would come spilling out or the smell of alcohol or lots of noise from a crowd and all these different things. Even there would be certain overhangs that I would pass and there would be raindrops, you know, from a rain that happened earlier in the day, just kind of dripping on my head every once in a while. All these things can really test the mind to see, can it stay focused in this situation that as you're staring at the ground, which is what walking meditation does, and you're just gradually walking putting your foot flat and then transferring the weight, putting your foot flat and then transferring the weight and staring at that fixed spot in front of you. As you're doing that and you know people walk by and if you're in a park and people are talking, you've got to keep your focus. Or if you hear a bird chirping, you've got to keep your focus. Or if you hear some rustling in the woods, you've got to keep your focus. So this is actually training the mind to be undisturbed and unaffected by things that are around. Because what happens is we go through life 
and you are affected. You hear the news, you see somebody cut somebody off in traffic, you hear something displeasing to the mind, and the mind is shaken up and it's affected by that. So while you're doing walking meditation, you're kind of moving in and out of different stimulus and you can train the mind to just stay utterly focused and concentrated and unaffected by all these different things. And for me, walking in the city was really helpful because of so many different things that were happening. But I suggest you kind of build up to that, that you probably don't want to do that right at the beginning. And it also helped me to eliminate fear too, because I wasn't concerned about the physical body that when the motorbikes were whizzing back and forth, you know, I wasn't worried or scared or fearful about that. In some situations, you know, there'd be tourists, a group of tourists, like whispering to each other, like, what's that guy doing? He's wearing all white. He's out here at like 9 p.m. at night, like walking with his head shaved, wearing white. Like, what's he doing? You know, so it helped me to let go of the self and not be affected by this gossip that I could hear people talking. I knew it was there. But I was just remained unaffected and just stayed focused on the fixed point in front of me, about one meter to three feet in front of me. So you might hear these things as you're walking in the park, particularly in places where Buddhist teachings don't exist. You know, the Thai people knew what I was doing, but the tourists here didn't know what I was doing. So when you're walking in your neighborhood or at your local park or whatever, people aren't going to necessarily know what you're doing. And if you hear people whispering or gossiping or making certain remarks about what you're doing, just stay focused and unaffected by this outside world. Just let go. And this can really help train the mind to be unaffected really, really well. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Also, Jan asks, thank you, Teacher David. This week has been very busy for me and my family. So I am meditating more than usual, even five or six times a day. It seems to me that it is helpful, but I am also wondering, should I be worried about clinging to meditation? So when we get really busy in our life, this is often the time that people neglect their meditation practice. You know, they just give, give, give because life's moving so fast and they tend to pull back and not do as much meditation. But what I recommend is what you're doing, Jan, which is increase your meditation during the time when things are really busy, because when things are really busy, that's when you're making a lot of decisions. And those decisions are either going to lead to wholesome results or unwholesome results. And you would like the mind to be as well-trained and disciplined and unpolluted as possible when you're making a lot of those decisions. So that's really helpful for you to actually increase your meditation during the times when you're busy. The way that you'll know whether you're getting attached to meditation or whether there's craving or desire is that do you have this longing and yearning to hurry up and go meditate? Or if you're meditating and somebody comes in and interrupts your meditation, are you discontent in that situation? If you're not noticing those kind of situations where you're longing and yearning for meditating or when your meditation is interrupted, there's no discontentedness, then you can rest assured that there's no craving, desire, attachment for meditation. So we can't determine whether someone has craving, desire, attachment just based on the number of times they meditate or the frequency or duration. It's more about what the mind does in situations where it can't meditate. Because if it's a craving, desire, attachment, and the mind's meditating, it's going to get pleasant feelings. But when somebody interrupts your meditation, then it's going to have painful feelings. Or 
if you're on your way home and you know you're going to go meditate, you know, are you like in a hurry? Are you like longing and yearning for that meditation? That's how you know. It's more about how the mind relates to the meditation versus the frequency or duration. So you can observe that about your meditation that if somebody interrupts it or if you're on the way to meditation, are you noticing this longing and yearning for it? And as long as you don't see that, then you can rest assured that you're not attached to the meditation. And if you increase your frequency to five or six a day, then so be it. You know, that's what you need at this particular time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're attached. It's all about how the mind relates to the meditation and the activity, not the activity itself. Sir, we know that meditation can do some beneficial things for the mind, can cause some beneficial changes there. Aside from clarity of thought and focus and concentration, what are some other benefits that people should be looking for? Yeah, so in breathing mindfulness meditation, the whole goal is to eliminate craving, desire, attachment. That's where the mind has this longing, this yearning. This is oftentimes why the mind moves off the breath because it may have craving, desire, attachment for something in the past that might move to that, or it might have this longing and yearning for the future and it goes to that. It doesn't necessarily mean that because there's a thought, there is craving, desire, attachment, but oftentimes there is, particularly in early in practice, the mind is longing and yearning. So what you're doing is you're training the mind to let go more easily let go of these thoughts so that you can now have this discipline of control of the mind. Because if you just let the mind wander and observe the thought and think about the thought, analyze the thought, the mind's just kind of leading you around and it's controlling the situation, but you'd like to control the mind, have this discipline. So whenever you observe the mind's off the breath, you're training the mind to easily let go. And in order to accomplish that, you have to have mindfulness or awareness of mind. So you're cultivating awareness of mind because when you first start meditating, you might be into your meditation and like off the breath for three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. Oh yeah, by the way, that's right, I was meditating. Let me get that breath back over here, right? But as you do this more and more, you build this awareness that you can observe right away when the mind's off the breath. You can observe that quicker and quicker, and then you can more actively take a decision to move the mind back to the breath. So you're arising that mindfulness or awareness of mind. You're also training the mind to have concentration and singleness of mind, just focusing on the breath. Oftentimes when we just focus on one thing, if you've been training your mind to rapidly cycle from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, if you're just focusing on one thing, which is the breath, oftentimes the mind can become bored or you can have loneliness when you first starting to meditate. And this is the whole reason why you need to do it because the mind is uncomfortable. It's displeased. It's unsatisfied with just focusing on one single object like the breath. It gets bored. It gets lonely when you're doing that. So as you train more and more to focus with singleness of mind and develop this concentration, if you observe boredom, then that's fine. And just know that it's there and just keep focusing on the breath. But as you do this more and more and you observe the accumulated benefits of meditation, you'll probably observe that the boredom will slowly dissipate and you'll start actually noticing that you need this meditation and that you're accumulating these benefits of now you can focus on a single object like the breath and be completely content and peaceful. Because in daily life, the mind is has this central desire and it's longing and yearning for certain things through the eyes, through the ears, through the nose, 
certain flavors and tastes in the tongue, certain bodily contact, certain things that it has in the mind that it wants to dwell on. And all these senses are, are just craving this agreeable contact so that you can have these pleasant thoughts. So when you now start trying to rein the mind in and restrain it and just focus on the breath, it typically doesn't like this. It'll either fight you or it's going to run. But the more and more that you do this and you observe that you can make the mind completely peaceful and content by just focusing on the breath, then when you're in daily life and you're having a conversation with just one person and you're focused on that one conversation, it's so easy for you because you've trained your mind to be peaceful, content, and joyful, just focusing on the breath and that's it. You don't need anything else in life, just the breath. So now when you actually are in a conversation with somebody, it's like, wow, this is quite enjoyable. I'm just able to be very peaceful and content and joyful just having this conversation where maybe in the past you needed to be talking to three, four, five, six people in a big group. And that's the only way that the mind felt fulfilled. But once you get the mind trained to just focusing on the breath and that's all it needs, then these other more simple things can just be so peaceful. So you're going to see that the mind will start having this focus, this concentration, this clarity of mind. You start seeing memory where you'll start being able to remember things because as you clear out the pollution of the mind, starting to hone the mind's ability to focus on the breath, that then you'll see that there's more memory because you've cleared out the clutter of the mind and you'll be able to retain things more. So in daily life, when you're learning something at work or you're learning something in your personal life, you'll be able to retain this information for longer and longer periods of time. And then these same benefits that you cultivate in meditation, you use them in daily life. So that ability to let go of things, that ability to have mindfulness and awareness of mind, that ability to have focus and concentration, these are all beneficial in your daily life because as you're going through daily life and you observe this anger, this frustration coming into the mind, you can cut that off and let it go because you've been training that way in meditation. So now outside of meditation, you can do that. But in order to accomplish that, you need to have that awareness of mind or that mindfulness. So that is what you're cultivating in meditation. So now you practice mindfulness in daily life as well, where you're aware of what's going on in the mind. Whether you're in a business meeting, whether you're at a bus stop, whether you're walking down the street, whether you're washing dishes or cooking, you're always aware of what's going on in the mind. And in daily life where you observe there's unwholesome thoughts arise, you cut that off and let it go. But when you observe in daily life that there's these wholesome thoughts, then you bring those into the mind, like loving kindness or compassion or generosity or this interest to be peaceful with other beings. You bring these wholesome qualities into the mind and you don't cut those off. So our training in meditation is very different than what we do in daily life. In meditation, we're training the mind so that you have control to just let go of everything, anything that comes up in the mind, you're letting it go. But in daily life, you're just cutting off and letting go of the unwholesome thoughts. And this is what clears out the mind and purifies the mind. So now you'll have more and more wholesome thoughts coming into the mind. And you'll find that you're much more successful in life because you're not complaining. You're not having all these negative thoughts. You're not degrading people. You're not looking down and judging people. You're not having this arrogance and this pride. Whenever you see all of these unwholesome things, you cut them off and let them go and you arise the wholesome. And this is part of the Eightfold Path. 
the Buddha teaches us this as part of the Eightfold Path, but hearing how to actually put that into practice in daily life can be very helpful to hear that when you have unwholesome thoughts, you cut those off and let them go, and then you arise the wholesome. This Sunday, when I describe the 10 fetters, this is where the Buddha explains to you the 10 individual problems that are in the mind. These are the individual pollutions or taints. So far, we've been just kind of lightly talking about craving, anger, and ignorance. And we're going to go into this in more detail in chapter 8 when we get to that point. But those craving, anger, and ignorance, it actually gets much deeper in the 10 fetters where he explains individual problems and I'll provide you the solutions of how to eliminate those. And one of the big ways to eliminate all of the pollution of mind is through meditation. You're actively training the mind to easily let go of things and you're cultivating that awareness and concentration so that then in daily life with that awareness and concentration, when you see unwholesome thoughts arise, you can easily cut those off and let them go. And this is where you're observant of the mind, or the Buddha said, be watchful over the mind, that you need to watch over the mind. And you do this for extended periods of time, for many months and years. And then eventually you get to the point where the mind is so well trained, you don't have to do that anymore. But to transform the mind and purify the mind, you need to do that actively. But then eventually, once the mind no longer experiences discontentedness, there's no more arising of any unwholesome thoughts because you've cut them off so many times, it doesn't come back. It's just like if you had a yard and you had lots of weeds. If you dig down into the roots of the weeds and you uproot the weeds, they'll never grow back again. Same thing. These unwholesome roots of craving, anger, and ignorance are deeply in the mind. And when you uproot that, by clearing it out and purifying the mind, they'll never come back again. So once the mind's fully transformed, you will not have to do the things that I'm sharing with you as part of this transformation of the mind. You'll just be able to live with that peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy because it's been completely purified. There's no more pollution there. So there's no more arising of any unwholesome thoughts whatsoever. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. On Facebook, Denise Davis says, I noticed the last time I was in the store, my mind wanted to experience anxiety, but I noticed it and practiced singleness of mind and cut it off. Thank you, teacher. Wonderful. See, you're starting to gain control over the mind and you've been studying now for, you know, seven, eight, nine months. So you're starting to really accumulate the benefits of your practice. You know, this is the results of your decisions. You know, I'm sharing the teachings. I'm sharing with you what the Buddha taught but it's your decisions that are leading you to this progress. It's not anything that I'm doing. I'm just kind of a messenger, so to speak. I'm just a teacher. I'm just sharing with you what the Buddha discovered over 2,500 years ago. And when a student makes the decision to actively learn, investigating the teachings, they don't believe the teachings, they independently verify them, they practice them, they start training the mind, then you develop this ability where you had mindfulness and you saw the anxiety starting to arise and boom, you were able to cut it off. 
where before you learned the Buddhist teachings, you didn't know how to do that. The mind wasn't capable of doing that. But as a result of your decisions to choose to come to class, to choose to listen to the replays when you can't come to class, to choose to read, choose to meditate, you know, you've strung together probably, what, 50,000 decisions now. And I usually say that, you know, to get to enlightenment, it takes a million and one decisions that you string together. And all of these continuous ongoing decisions lead to this improved condition of mind in this improved life. So... Congratulations to you, Denise. You know, thank you for your dedication and diligence to learn and practice. And you see the the truth for yourself that it works. And then, sir, this is sort of related to Jan's question before. When someone is going through a stressful period of time in their life, and we should be meditating a bit more during that time, do those extra meditation sessions, should we be trying to have those be... 20 to 30 minutes long as well, or is 10 or 15 minutes at a time okay? You can, but they don't have to be. If you've got your anchor points, say like two to three meditations a day that are 30 minutes or more, but you decide to slip in these other meditations here and there where it ends up being five or six per day, they don't have to necessarily be a full out meditation session where you do chanting, you know, you go into your meditation for 30 minutes or more and you end with chanting. It can be if you have that amount of time, but it doesn't have to be. You can have your anchor points like morning and evening that are like your full out meditation sessions. You know, you're chanting at the beginning, you're 30 minutes or more, you're chanting at the end. But then these other ones that you slip in, you could just sit down somewhere and just focus on the breath for 10 minutes and then done and go. I used to do this when I was teaching at a very well-known temple here in Chiang Mai called Wat Chedi Luang. I used to, of course, have my morning and evening meditations that I did on my own. But then I was teaching from like 9 a.m. in the morning until like 3, 4, 5 in the evening. And it was outdoors. It was under this pavilion. And there were lots of tourists that would come in. And they would sometimes sit down for just 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, ask a bunch of questions, and then gone. And then some tourists would sit down for longer. They would talk for an hour or two, some of them. But at different times back then, I would notice that the mind needed a bit of clearing out. So I would just get up from the teaching area and I would go into the main building and I would just do 5, 10, 15 minutes of meditation and then just come back. And this can be like a little touch up what I call like a touch-up meditation, the way that I do at the Pali Canon in English study group on Saturdays. You know, everybody pretty much who comes to that class or the people mostly who come to that class that are really developing their practice, we have our well-established morning and evening meditation sessions. But then we do that little top-up right before class that just kind of refresh the mind for like 10 minutes or so. And you can do this if you're going into a job interview, if you're going into a very impactful discussion if you're going in for a meeting with your children's teachers if you're going to go get some news or have a certain business meeting or discussion you can do those little five ten minute meditations 15 minute meditations when i was in the corporate world and i was doing meditation i would sometimes go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet with my clothes on and just sit on the toilet and meditate because it was the one place i could get some private space in a corporate environment I would just sit in the stall and meditate for 5, 10, 15 minutes if I needed to. And uh, this can be a way to kind of top up the mind and give it what it needs. But it doesn't have to be that full out 
meditation session that you might be doing morning and evening for yourself. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. It seems that those are all the questions that we have right now, sir. Okay. Well, I'll just end by thanking all of you for joining for today's class and invite you to attend this Sunday, which is the group learning program, same time, nine o'clock Thai time. So whatever time that is in your time zone. And this Sunday, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be discussing the four stages of enlightenment. In our past class, we kind of ended with talking about these four phases that the mind goes through called the jhanas prior to getting to the first stage of enlightenment. So now we're going to kind of pick that up on Sunday where I'm going to discuss the four stages of enlightenment and what needs to occur in order to move the mind into those four stages and ultimately get to enlightenment. And this isn't something that you're going to be able to accomplish at the end of our class on Sunday. But these first four classes in the group learning program are like an overview to help you understand the path to enlightenment and see the bigger picture. Because then we're going to actually start on chapter one in the book and progress from there going forward. So the content that I'm going to share on Sunday is in chapter three of this volume one book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. So it's the four stages of enlightenment and the ten fetters is what we're going to be discussing on Sunday. And then next Wednesday, it'll be our last session of breathing mindfulness meditation for the four-part series. So we'll do that last version, the fourth part of our four-part series. And then we're going to move on to loving-kindness meditation. Then we're going to move on to chanting. And then when we're at the end of the third month, we'll actually be rotating every Wednesday. One Wednesday will be breathing mindfulness. One Wednesday will be loving-kindness. One Wednesday will be breathing mindfulness. One will be loving-kindness. And we'll do that all the way through the last four months of the group learning program. But these first three months, I'm kind of building you up with breathing mindfulness meditation, loving kindness meditation, and chanting so that then you'll be more established in your practice. And you should be practicing this on your own, you know, building up to two or three meditation sessions a day, 30 minutes or longer, so that when we have these classes, as you're having challenges, you can come to class and you can ask questions and get help with any challenges you're having in your meditation practice. So I'll see you either Sunday and or Wednesday of next week. In the meantime, have a very lovely rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.